That's me. And Larry Korea. No, Mr. Bond, I expect you to die. Today's episode, Supporter Spectacular, Round 6. Everybody, welcome back to the Rider Dojo. Now, Larry, in case some of our listeners uh, have been living under a rock and they're not sure what it is they're listening to, when they tune into our glorious voices, what you get in the Rider Dojo is BS-free advice. That's what we do. Well, I wouldn't say BS free, but it's a little more pragmatic BS. Definitely pragmatic. Let, let, we'll, we'll say that. We'll say it's pragmatic BS advice. Yeah, it's not. It's not emotionally <laughs> manipulative. We're pretty straightforward in our in our writing advice. But basically, guys, this is the podcast for writers who want to get paid and do this for a living, and that's what we're shooting for here. So we try to give you guys straight information, uh, not filtered through our biased worldviews. That's right. Even though Larry and I definitely have biased worldviews. Holy crap, so much. Uh, especially these days. So this episode is going to be a Q&A session. Now, all of our supporters and some of our non-supporters, you guys send in quite a few really great questions. Um, in fact, pretty much every question has been fantastic uh, thus far. Now, we're just going to continue the trend. We're going to go over a bunch of questions. Now, before we do that, though, what I want to talk about, there's a couple things I want to talk about, a couple house cleaning items. The first one is a couple appearances that we're going to be making really shortly here. Uh, yeah, by the time this episode airs, uh, immediately afterwards, I believe the week afterwards, we yeah. will be at FenCon in Dallas, Texas. Now, you're the guest of honor, right? I am the guest of honor, and uh, the bunch of the other guys are there. So, uh, producer Jack and Steve will both yeah. be there. We'll be doing some Writer Dojo panels. Yeah, Writer Dojo and, live, baby. Yeah, hopefully interviewing some people. Yeah. And also, we're going to be doing a book signing Thursday night. Yeah, so that's Thursday, September six or 15th. September yeah. 15th. So, if, even if you're not a guest at FenCon, everybody is welcome to that. Yeah. Just come to the Half Price Books flagship store in Dallas, Texas um, that Thursday night. And come see us as us and a bunch of other band authors, including Rob Handsome. Rob, Rob Handsome. Rob I mean, Hampson. I mean, he's not going to. He's a handsome guy. I mean, he's not going to be upset about that. Yeah. Rob Hampson. <laughs> Les Johnson will be there. Chuck Gannon will be there. Mm -hmm. uh, John Van Stry will be there. Jason Cordova will be there. Um, I feel like we're missing one, but. Huh. Probably. Tony Weisskopf will be there. Oh, yeah. That's right. Tony's yeah. going to be there. So we have uh, our publisher, and so we're going to have actually quite a few people, so come on out. This is a big store. We, we've had 200 people signings there yeah. before. So come on out and see us. Even if you're not coming to FenCon, just come to the book signing. Or if you are coming to FenCon, come and have a good time. Yeah. Now, the great thing about these sorts of book signings uh, is, look, there's going to be a bunch of, there, there's some fairly bigger authors there. You know, you're there. Um, Chuck is actually a pretty, a pretty well-respected yeah, author Chuck, at this point. Chuck's He's doing really, really awesome. well. Um, Jason does pretty good with some of the other stuff he does. Uh, and then there's, you know, and, and, and I don't know, I don't know John Van Stuy. Oh, this is his first book with us. Is it? Okay. Yeah. So the cool thing about these is there, there can potentially be a little bit of kind of standing around and waiting at these sorts of book signings because, uh, Larry, you, unlike some other, we'll call them big authors, uh, you actually like your fans and actually treat them well. I genuinely enjoy talking to them, yeah. Crazy, right? That's not true for all of us. So while Larry is doing that, there's plenty of opportunity 
for you to come up and chat with and meet a lot of these other authors. Get to know them as actual like human beings who do things rather than nameless keyboard monkeys. So, so what you'll be able to do is come and meet these other authors. Some you've read, some you haven't probably, and get a really good idea for who these, who these authors are. Let them pitch you their book. Um, and maybe, you know, maybe grab a couple extra books. Yeah. Speaking of that kind of signing, um, the week after that, right. we will be at Fanex at Salt Lake City. And uh, that's interesting because most of the day we'll be at the uh, Bard's Tower yeah. booth. So if you're wandering around Fanex, you can't miss it. It's a giant bookstore booth. It's got a big tower in the middle with author posters on it. I'll be there. I actually don't know what authors are going to be there this year. I, I don't know either. Any attention. Maybe I'll text Alexi and ask him. But Yeah, Alexi's the guy that runs the booth. And uh, so there's a ton of authors there. So yeah. just come by and say hi. Me, book signed. me and you are always there. Um, a couple other guys you might have heard of. Brian Lee Durfee's usually there. Yeah, he's awesome. He's an awesome guy. Really good writer. Uh, Butler's usually in there. Uh, who else? I don't know who else is going this year. There, there's actually, typically quite yeah. a few Wordfire Press authors in there. Uh, so there, you get quite a wide variety. Though generally, uh, I'm almost the only guy that writes horror in that uh, Usually, in that booth. Yeah. There's yeah. a lot of fantasy and science fiction. A lot of fantasy and sci-fi, but but come by and see us. I actually don't even know if I'm on any panels or anything because I like procrastinated getting my yeah. uh, thing in and I like turned it in late, so I don't know if I'm yeah. doing anything. Uh, just, well, just I don't care. Just no, <laughs> it doesn't matter that. Not at Fanex. That's a pop culture con. No, just come um, come and come by the booth. Say hi. We'll yeah, come say books. hi. Uh, we're we're there signing literally all three days, the whole time. Uh, so it's. It's a good time. It's a good time. Yeah, so I think that's our immediate appearances. Yeah, those are our next two. You're going to be at 20 Books over uh, yeah, in I'll, Vegas I'll, back I'll in, be, like, November. I believe, I believe. I haven't heard back, but I think I'm teaching a couple classes for me. Okay. And then for Utah folks, uh, I got to check to make sure that this is still on, but I think you and I are at some weird library thing Oh. in October. Oh, yeah. yeah okay. I, yeah, I forgot about it. And I, I need I, to make I, sure that I'm actually in town when that was scheduled because now yeah, I had I a family remember. vacation. So we might be doing a library thing Maybe. in October. Well, there uh, you go. Now. Okay. Yeah, there we go. There's All our right. appearances. So there's that. Um, okay, so now we're going to get talk about a little bit of, you know, do some Q&A. Now, for this Q&A, uh, the, the first, the, one of the things I want to be kind of clear about is um, I know that I know that every now and then, you know, a supporter will send in a question and, and you know, sometimes we don't see it um, or sometimes it takes us a minute to get to it. Um just be patient. Sometimes your questions are like, "Hey, can you explain how the world works?" Well, uh, and that's a that's fairly it's a fairly big question. Yeah, they're really big questions. Sometimes they're like worthy of multiple episodes. And yeah, you can't really just answer them in a Q and A session in five minutes. But uh, and then sometimes we just miss them. And so in those cases, just send uh, just send us a, a really polite email, being like, "Hey guys, uh, didn't see my question answered yet. Can you answer it? Here it is again." We'll get to it. Don't we, worry about it. And each time it. we've gotten one of those, we were like, wait, no, I didn't see that one. <laughs> yeah, there's, there's been a few times where we haven't seen any. We had one a few episode or a few Q&A episodes back, and then we had another one that we're going to address today. Um, and then uh, just keep in mind also, uh, be aware of timing. So Larry and I generally get together like once a month yeah, for about, this. Yeah. I mean, we get together other times but but as far as recording as far as recording yeah we'll do four or five episodes Mm -hmm. and so from when you submit if you submit depending on timing we might not even see your or be able to address your question for a month 
Yeah. So just be patient. It's cool. Okay. So the first question is one that I know everybody's been asking. And that question is, dude, Steve, what the heck? Where's my uh, special editions of uh, Spellbound and Warbound? And my question to you is to suck it. No, I'm just kidding. Actually, uh, good news. So if you haven't seen it, uh, I, I posted an update in the Monster Hunter group. But um, it's, going, it's all going really well for Spellbound. The files are in. I've paid money. Um, I have told them exactly where to tip in the illustrations. I mean, literally everything has been approved and has paid money. There is literally nothing I can do at this point except sit here and wait for the beautiful books to arrive. And once those books arrive, you'll know it. Do you because, have an approximate, like, how many weeks is going to be told? it's, like, we're actually off the printer? Uh, generally, I think it's six weeks. Ooh. Ooh, so we're getting close. Yeah, we're getting really close. Nice. Now, the cool thing about this is y'all will know because um, once those books come in, Larry has to come down to my house oh, and yeah. we sign all the books. I will shout this from the rooftops. Yep. So we're right there. We're right there, guys. And it looks awesome. Um, I'm very excited for y'all to see it. That's a project that COVID... COVID screwed me COVID on. COVID screwed us. Yeah, big there, time. There's a lot of things that screwed me on that project. But um, regardless, um, I wasn't going to leave y'all hanging. So, well, yeah, half the people involved went out of business. But that, that happens. It is what yeah. it is. Okay. So that's the one question. That was probably the most important question. Yeah. So people quit asking me that. I know. <laughs> Gosh. Um, no, and, and you know what? I'm not upset at anyone who's angry at me with that. Um, I get it. They, they paid money and stuff, so I get it. But, uh, okay, so on to happier questions. Well, actually, that was a pretty happy question. Um, I think so. I, I'm giving myself a self-high five for asking myself that question. Good job. Nice. All right. Okay. So this first question, I think this is pretty, this is going to be a pretty, pretty quick answer, um, Although I do think that later on we'll talk about some of this stuff um, a little bit more in detail. Um, okay, so uh, Elizabeth asked us. Now, she says she's not a backer yet. Did you know, Larry, that for anywhere between 99 cents to $10 a month, you can become a supporter? And Larry, we actually give our supporters some pretty neat things. Give them uh, priority access to the Monster Hunter store. Give them some free goodies. I mean, I sent out a short story that I wrote specifically for backers. No one else has ever read it besides the backers. And they get free early access to the swag shop when it's right. open. There's a couple other things that are coming down the pipeline. One of them is uh, is an edited video of me cooking brisket. Because, <laughs> uh, oddly enough, people asked for that. I know. They're really into the brisket video. Um, I've been getting a lot of requests for uh, Sparkle Murder Princess. I'm excited like for an that. obscene number of requests. Uh, I'm I'm excited for Sparkle Murder Princess. I'll, I'll be honest. I'm looking forward to that. That'll be good. So, um, I might have to I might have to write a story for y'all on that one. Yeah. So sign up and be a backer for Writer Dojo, and we really yep. appreciate it, guys. We do. We do. Yeah, that'll help us pay off our student loans. Indeed, indeed. Because oh wait, we already did. Oh that wait, because we're darn it responsible adults. Oh, never mind. If only. Yeah. If only. I. I should have been more of a slacker and not paid them off no, 10 I years ago, should have bought 20 years ago. I know, right? Okay, so Elizabeth asks, first, how do you protect your intellectual property prior to publishing? Now, part of this is a little interesting because when you write a story, it's 
automatically protected to a degree? Well, I believe it fall it falls under a copyright because it's your yeah. intellectual property as soon as you create it. Mm-hmm. Um, also, usually, honestly, people aren't stealing that kind of thing. That's there's the occasional high profile case. Yeah, right? once in a while, but very rarely. I mean, honestly, it's the kind of thing they make they make movie they make murder mystery movies about that mm. more than it's actually happened. Yeah. Um, I'm sure Angela Lansbury has solved at least a dozen cases of this. Yeah, and so that's one of those things. But but how do you honestly? The best way to protect your stuff is information security. Yeah, and um, that's one of the downsides when you're if you're really worried about your stuff getting out there. I, I wouldn't if you're an unpublished author. Um, I, I wouldn't really worry too much about people trying to steal your stuff. Now, once you're uh, a well-known author, like, I got I to be careful. Like my early manuscripts and who I show those to, because like honestly, people would love to get a hold of my early manuscripts. I certainly like to. Well, I mean, yeah, but you do anyway. But you know, I say people would actually steal them. Yeah. They would sell them early. Yep. Or they would use them to, for whatever you know. Yep. And uh, and so on that, I just have to uh, basically the best thing I'd say is like practically is information security. Don't yep. share your crap everywhere. Um, as far as like having it plagiarized, the best thing you could do is even you're writing this stuff, you have documented dates of when you're yeah. creating this. I like to I like to there's, email files to myself, yeah. and there's metadata within the within the files. Yeah, and the, well, the reason I email stuff to myself is mostly for backup, which we'll talk about which later. We're going to talk about that. Yeah, we'll talk about that later. But I, I like to email copies of my books to myself, so I always have a date of how far I am at any given time, and just as an emergency backup kind of thing. Um, so if anybody does actually steal your stuff and like straight up plagiarizes it and tries to pass it off on theirs, that is pretty easy to prove. Yeah. And I mean, and once that gets out that that pretty much ruins, uh, you know, whoever it is that did that, unless they run for Congress later and totally win. That doesn't apply to them. Yeah. Um, okay. Then her next question is, can you trust a publisher with your work prior to publishing? Now I get this. I get the fears. I get the fears, right? Because you're like, "Hey, I'm sending a manuscript off. What if, uh, what if the publisher just is just like, hey, that's dope,' and then they hand it off to, I don't know, X Y Z person, and they put their like, they put their name on it." Yeah, I can see the fear. If but it's again, a legitimate publishing house, if it's a real, honest to goodness, professional working publishing house, they're not going to do that. You're fine. You're, because what's going to happen totally is. Fine. All you'd have to do is once again expose that file with that metadata and the dates and be like, hey, you stole this from me. Yeah. So and so did not actually write this book. Here is the book I wrote. And the IT people are going to be able to go through and see, yes, this is genuine. This was typed in Word at <laughs> the following dates and saved. And uh, so that would ruin that publishing house. Now, that said, there are a bunch of little cheesy fly by night outfits, but we've talked about those in other episodes too. We have. Those are the ones that are like trying to charge you money. Those are scams. They're not real publishing yeah. houses. And and assume that if you do give them money and your manuscript, just assume the worst from them. Yeah, they're gonna rob you. I mean, those yeah. places they're just they're scams, guys. Yeah. Um, so avoid those. But if it's a real legitimate publishing house that you heard of, it's probably not gonna steal your book. I have actually never heard of that happening in real life. I I mean, sure, everything has happened. It's a big, wide world. But I'm not aware of a case where that's actually happened. The the only weird little, I guess, added piece of commentary that I'll put in here. It sounds to me, Elizabeth, like you're talking about actual, like actual honest-to-goodness things that you have written in or done. You're kind of shopping them around. There is a little measure of um, caution that I would say to use 
when you're just out and about talking with people, say you're on panels, um, whatever, and you're talking about ideas for future series that you have, there's a little bit of caution I might suggest you exercise. If you're amongst really good friends, like, you know, like Larry and I, we pretty much know everything when it comes to what each other's projects are. Oh, gosh, yeah. Usually and, years before they're done. Uh, years and years before they're done. And it's not like we're going to steal from each other because um, Larry shoots better than I do, and that'd be a poor <laughs> choice on my side. Um, I'd just poison him the night before, though. That's true. He'd give me free brisket, and I'd That's right. be dead the next morning. So, but I have heard of a few people where they, they're just kind of talking with a group of people some of whom they knew they know okay, some of whom they don't really know that well. Like they ripped off their ideas? Yeah. Well, I can now, see that happening. So, now here's the thing. Ideas are a dime a dozen. Yeah. Okay? But if I have an amazing, amazing idea, basically Larry's the only person who knows about it. Yeah, if you've got an idea that you're really, you know, you're really proud of and you think it's really unique and, and powerful and it's like something that, you know, it's unique to you, Hold that close to the vest until it's done, you know, until you have this documentation. Um, but honestly, like ideas, especially when you're first starting out, you think that your ideas are really, really amazing and unique and special. But the longer you do this and the more you read and the more you meet other authors, the more you realize that pretty much everything's been done. And so it's not really that the idea is original. It's that you have a cool spin on it. It's your yeah. flavor. Yeah. And again, remember, everybody, your voice is unique to you. Well, because, like, if I had known about Harry Potter before J.K. Rowling had written it, and it was like, oh, I got this great idea for magical wizard school, right? And I, and I had the idea for Harry Potter, and I had written it, it would be a thousand percent different. It would be an entirely different There'd book. be so many more guns. <laughs> yeah. I mean, let's be honest. They, all the bad guys would be dead pretty fast, and my bad guys would be, my bad guys would be able to defeat a school. Okay, oh, let's be honest. Yeah, you know, well, but, sure. So <laughs> getting hung up on the idea part, don't get hung up on that too much. But if you do have something you think is truly special, keep it close to the vest and don't, don't go talking about it to people that you don't trust. There you go. All right, we're going to take a quick break and we're going to come back and we're going to kind of rapid fire through the rest of these questions. Um, got some really good ones. You guys ask awesome questions. We'll be right back. Do you have the itch for fresh stories from the center to the insane? From horror to science fiction? From fantasy to hilarity? Listen to the Terrifying Lies podcast featuring stories and music from the tilted sideways mind of Craig Nibo. Each episode features a new story amped up with professional sound design to get you right in the middle of the action. But stories don't just come in written word. Listen to a new original song from Craig at the end of each episode. Each composition coming at you with a fresh narrative of its own. Catch a new episode of Terrifying Lies every first and third Friday of the month at high noon with special lunar episodes at midnight on the night of every full moon. Subscribe to Terrifying Lies wherever you listen to your podcasts. <laughs> We're back. Don't worry. No sharks attacked. No, no sharks attacked us during the break. Now, that's important because I just saw this new trailer where apparently there's sharks on the moon now. 
I saw and, that uh, shark sight of the I'm moon. sorry, dude. I mean, first of all, that is actually a really great title. That's the thing. It's a, it's a, it looks awful, but the, the title, like, a million that's bonus a, points for That's the title. a pretty great title. I'll watch it just for the title. I won't, because I know that that's just a true story. And Although, just there's one talking that last but she's talking about keeping your ideas close to this. If you have an amazing title, like Shark Sight of the Moon. Keep that crap to you yourself. Keep that to yourself. That's gold. Yeah. Keep that to yourself. All right. More questions. Zane asks, uh, let's see. My question is, could you give your thoughts on the usual conventions or rules around the use of real people's names and writing? Does this matter with historical characters who are long dead? What about more contemporary times where famous or well-known people are still alive? We had a question about this in our previous one. Yeah, we had to do about companies. A little bit before, yeah, but we like like Coca-Cola and Taco yeah. Bell and stuff. Mm-hmm. But the same general rules apply to historical people. Yeah. Um, now, I know you actually had Tom Stranger put through legal because of names. Right. And the, the more current it is, the more concern there is that you will get sued. Yeah. Uh, so I did get uh, Tom Stranger had to go through multiple legal reviews for many days because I went into pop culture and I made fun of certain celebrities. And it turns out some celebrities are really happy to sue everybody. Yeah. Uh, and so I had to tone down or change things. And there's a couple that I just referred to him as a certain movie star. <laughs> um, so if it's a current living uh, real person, even if it's a public figure, uh, tread carefully with what you do. I mean, honestly, if like if you're writing the book and you're like, so-and-so is watching TV and so-and-so is on TV, oh, that's fine. It doesn't matter. Or they're listening to music and they're listening to a Taylor Swift song. It yeah, doesn't no, matter. That's, that's fine. fine. I do that a lot. Yeah. Now, if you do like Tom Stranger and like, you know, Taylor Swift is a shape shifting lizard creature whatever you know I, I don't know i've never used to, i don't even, i don't know anything about taylor swift but well, i don't know why that came to mind then you have to change it for fiction i, I use juicy smollier and that's what i that's what i got in trouble <laughs> for but i've actually used a bunch of different um uh famous people but the be French real actor. careful now in historical you actually got a lot more leeway um yeah if you're getting especially if it's a historical public figure um i mean obviously if you write a book and you just start and it's not a public figure and you just start slandering some random dude's dad or some real life family, and you're like talking about how their grandpa was a serial killer. Tread real carefully there. This better be a true crime book, and you better have some evidence yeah. to back that up, or you're getting sued. But or, if, or have their direct written permission. Yeah, but if you're writing like Guns of the South, and you're writing a you know you're Harry Turtle Dove writing alternate history, and you have Robert E. Lee as a major character in your book, you're good. You're good to go. You're fine. Yeah. Uh, alternate history thrives on this kind of stuff. I did this in Grim Noir. Uh, I had tons of real-life characters in Grim Noir, including some that weren't really that famous. Uh, you know, they were, they were real-life people, but they were, like, lesser known. Uh, I had quite a few of those in the book that other people didn't even realize they were real. And it was interesting because when I heard from, like, their descendants, I heard from various people, like, dude, that's my grandpa. Oh, that's cool. I actually got that. I actually had, um, for a few different people, uh, I got contact because I had Al Cowley, the uh, FBI agent, uh-huh. was a real-life guy. That was a guy that got shot by Babyface Nelson. Right. Dude was a was actually a legendary cop, right? And uh, But I had him as a minor character in the book. And uh, I heard from multiple descendants of his. Oh, that's cool. It was actually cool. You know, and I actually had other minor characters like that. Uh, Melvin Purvis. Uh, mm. I had, jeez, uh, who else? I actually had a couple different people um, that, that, that were descendants of. So, it, it, so tread carefully with that. Obviously, if they're a public figure, then you can do whatever. But don't make out somebody's grandpa to be a guy who ate babies, okay? Unless he did. Yeah, unless he did, but tread carefully with that. All right, let's see. 
Okie dokie. We're going to go to Shereng. He's asked a question before. Now, he said, I think it's he, says, I have a few short stories finished and just sitting around. I don't really know what to do with them. I haven't ever submitted anything yet and would like to try, but I don't really know where I can submit short stories. Mm. Okay. I looked up some of the famous SFF magazines, but think it is unlikely that I get published by them at this point. If I try to re- if I try to search more widely, it seems there are hundreds of magazines and blogs that publish short stories. Have never heard of any of them. Do you guys have any suggestions? What should I look for while submitting a short story? Am I the only one to re- to have reached this point with no plan in mind? The answer is no to that last question. No, actually, that's pretty common. Very common. Very common, especially for short fiction. I would say, honestly, one of the first pieces of advice I'd give you is join the Writer Dojo, Writer Dojo Facebook page uh, because we've got a group of writers on there. And a lot of times when people are specifically, they know of somebody looking for specific uh, uh, submissions for certain themes, like, hey, guys, so-and-so is looking for an, you know, he, he's looking for stories about such and such theme. Yep. And they'll throw that out there. And if you happen to have something that fits that, that's great. In fact, we just had one, we just had one, uh, a post about that just a week or two ago, depending yeah. on when this airs. Because for editors, it's 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 kind of nice, too, if you wanted to, if you are an editor putting together an anthology and you want to look for people for a certain theme, you know, once again, feel free to post that there, too. That's fine. That's just a good place to network. Now, as far as uh, selling it to different existing, antholo- or not really anthologies, but more magazines, you know, the fact that you looked up these different magazines and their submission guidelines as a good start, don't be afraid to submit to some of the big, you know, presti- uh, prestigious larger ones. Yeah, the, the interesting part here was that um, he says, uh, what does he say? I don't think it's likely I get published by them at this point. How well, do you know? Yeah, you don't really know that unless you were like, you might be giving yourself an honest opinion that like, yeah, maybe your work's not there yet, but it might actually be there. Um, I don't know what the quality of your work is or what your experience level is, but don't beat yourself up too much. And a lot of times it doesn't hurt to submit. Part of, actually, there is something healthy, and we'll talk about this in a future episode. There is something healthy about submitting regardless of the outcome. Well, getting rejected is Getting rejected is important. And every now and then you'd be surprised and you'll get a personalized rejection, even if for whatever reason it doesn't fit, but that editor still liked it and they'll give you some good feedback. Yep. Another thing too is like you go around and find the other places where you read short stories and just see what those markets are. Uh, it's a it's a pretty wide world. And there's a lot of them that, that um, are actually hungry for short fiction, but they pay really terrible. Yeah. But when you're starting out, that might be perfectly fine for you because at least to get your stuff out there. And the more you network and the more you study, the more you read various short fiction and see where that short fiction mm-hmm. came from, the more you track that back to the different sources you want to submit to. Yeah. And, and guys, and there, there's, no, there's nothing wrong with practicing at this. Writing more, submitting more, and then writing even more to submit more. Yeah. Like that's all good. You're going to learn from all that. So cool. don't, don't, yeah. So Shrank, don't, don't beat yourself up, up about this. Like so many authors, especially when they're starting out, they have a lot of short stories that they write and they have no idea what to do with them. Well, and later on, once you're better and you've got a lot more skills and practice under your belt, what you do is you take those old short stories and you redo them and you make them good. Yeah. And then you sell them now that you have more contacts mm-hmm. and more networking yeah. or you do like I do and you, or Steve has done and you yeah. compile them into a yeah. collection or short fiction and just sell it. Yep. There's lots of options for you, dude. All right. Uh, Colton asked, now he sent us a voicemail on this. And again, through Anchor, you can submit us voicemails. 
Uh, we're going to get to the point where we can play those on air, and that'll be awesome. Uh, Colton specifically asked in this case not to, for his not to be played on the air. Um, <laughs> Respect. I don't know. Whatever, man. Uh, so he asked a few questions. We're going to kind of rapid fire through these because I think they're they're pretty cut and dry. Okay. First question was, what do we think of of Wattpad and a bunch of these free like online like publisher apps and programs? I'm not a fan. I've never used them. I I do not like publishing something for free online somewhere. I don't like doing that. If I was going to publish it for free, I'd do it on my own blog. Exactly. Exactly. That that I think that's probably the biggest thing with this. Um, if you're going to be writing and publishing, then like go for broke, man. Either publish it on your own blog or uh, publish through Kindle Direct or whatever. Like, and we'll have someone on later on who can who can talk a little bit better about that than we can, obviously. We'll probably be taking notes during that whole one. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, I've heard a lot of hearsay. There's been a lot of hearsay about this, that places like Wattpad and stuff like that, that they're just cesspits. They're basically Moss Eisley. Like, just stay away. Yeah, and I got, no, I got zero knowledge of that one. Okay, next one is, what do we think about the concept of blogging for money? I think it's great. Uh, I'm cool with that. <laughs> I'm, can, I'm cool with everything. Can it, you can you get paid for writing something cool? Any subject. So you, I, I, if I understand this right, like so somebody else has a blog and they're paying him to do content for it? Perhaps, yeah. He wasn't very clear. But if that's the case, that's awesome. I mean, that's a it's great practice. As My well, only thing on that was, because I know actually I know like Sarah Hoyt does that for yeah. a couple different political blogs. Uh, you know, great. I, I said the only caution I'd give you guys that are, is don't do that so much that it's taking away from your real uh, paying writing. So whatever your yep. primary writing is, is, whether it's novels or whatever, that's your main focus. And uh, writing for other people should be secondary to that. Yep. But it, honestly, but if like you were doing content, like you're writing uh, political articles for some, uh, you know, you know, red state or pajamas or Breitbart or whatever, hey, that's awesome. Go for it. Yeah, get, get paid. paid. Um, I, I look at that just like writing for a magazine. Mm-hmm. Okay, then his last question, which is, uh, this is oddly timed, and it's hilarious. Um, what do you use to save back up your work? Because <laughs> he lost, apparently, a ton, just thousands upon thousands of words. Oh, that sucks. So, fun story. As we sat down to record literally this episode, uh, the program froze, and I looked over at the screen and caught it, but it had been froze for probably a good five, ten minutes. Yeah, so this is the second shot at this episode. Yeah. So, uh, look, first of all, every author out there in existence, you're going to lose some of your work. It's going to happen. All of us at some point in time have lost something. And some of us have lost more than others. Now, you talked about this on one of your earlier ones, and that's that you email. You'll you'll be writing, you'll save, and you'll email it to yourself. Personal thing is any day that I have like a really good writing day, like I was on fire, I kick butt, I'm feeling great – I will actually email that document to myself. Yep. I actually do the same thing. Yeah. And then I have a copy in the email, you know, just I know. in case my computer blows up that night. Right. Now, I, I know a lot of people, a, a lot of people, they just, you know, they use online cloud storage or external hard drives or whatever. It's just whatever you're comfortable with. But the main thing is um, just save and save often. 
Um, that's the main thing. The funny thing is, is once you make the mistake once, you're very, you're not very likely to make it a second time because it's yeah. painful. We have all done it. I think We've at some it. point, everyone, every writer I know has lost oh, yeah. something. Oh, it yeah. just happens. Yep. I've had computers blow up just like I'll be working and then just, it's just the hard drive just gone. And uh, so that's why I got into the habit of emailing it to myself. So as long as my computer doesn't blow up and you know, Gmail or Hotmail just doesn't cease to exist suddenly, I'll be okay. Yeah. You know? All right. Now, I'm not entirely sure how to pronounce this name. I think it's Kiel. It's K-J-E-L-L. I don't know. I barely speak English and Spanish. Okay, so now, in addition to Kiel, I'm just going to say Kiel. I hope it's pronounced right. Sorry if I'm not. Um, Also, we had a similar question from a guy named Blake, who's not a backer yet, but... As you know, that can be re- that can be uh, remedied, as I talked about earlier. And then you get brisket, and you could potentially get brisket videos. Not actual brisket. I'm not mailing briskets. Let's be very clear. <laughs> Mail brisket. Let's be very clear. Okay. So, in general, these questions come down to. Um, I'll just I'll just read Kiel's because Blake's is kind of a much longer version of that. And he says, how long after submitting a manuscript is it reasonable to wait before sending it elsewhere or going indie? And then Blake kind of goes in there talking about like, you know, how how he's written things in the past and has tried shopping them around. Blake was specifically told that um, because he was trying to write characters that were of a different race than he is, Mm -hmm. meant that no one would represent him, which is bullcrap. Um, well, it's it's bull, it's, it's bullcrap in terms of yeah. that's a stupid practice. Yeah, because he's accurate. That he's, is, a thing. he's absolutely accurate. That happened to a friend of ours, Mike Rothman. Mike Rothman, that happened to him. Um, and and I look forward to having him on the show and having him just talk about that whole thing. Yeah. But but I think this is a really interesting question, and that's because of the options that we have available right now, Larry. It's really easy to go indie. It's really really easy. But when should you? No, that's a good question. See, back in the olden days, it was interesting because most of the publishing houses had in their submission guidelines, if you submit this to us, don't submit it to anyone else for at least this long. Which is stupid. It was stupid. But the thing is, they would throw their weight around, and there was really no other options back then. So if you really wanted to be published by some certain publishing house, and they say you have to wait two years, and I'm not even exaggerating on the time, and then you would wait two years. Uh, and then actually people would get they would get upset because they would chop it around to multiple places at one time. Like, how dare you? It's like, well, you know, I, I like to eat. I want to pay my bills. <laughs> Screw you, Manhattan Publishing. Yeah, I don't have time to wait around for three years for you to get around to reading it. Yeah, Maybe. so I don't know actually what the standard is now. Um, honestly, when I'm shopping stuff around back in the day when I did that, keep in mind this is now 12 years ago, so I'm pretty out of yeah. date. I sent it out to multiple places at once. I did too. I did too. When I was submitting to agents, I would send it to a dozen agents. Oh, yeah. I sent it to everybody. Yeah. Everybody. And that's back when I thought I wanted an agent, and I really don't. (laughs) We've talked about that in other episodes, though. Uh, As far as submitting to publishing houses, unless they have like a specific guideline where it's like the kiss of death, uh, I'm I'm just going to submit to other places. You don't owe them anything. No, they haven't. They don't given, employ you yet. They haven't given me any money. Yeah, why? Why are you listening to their arbitrary rules of who you can and can't do, when, like, what you can and can't do when, you don't have a contract with them? Yeah, I'm not going to get worked up about that. No, 
And if the publishing house gets worked up about that, they probably sound like really wonderful people to work for. Yeah, yeah right. <laughs> now, and as far as short stories go, um, if you're actually submitting on places online, uh, short stories tend to have pretty quick turnaround as far as like rejection to, to acceptance. Yep. Worst case scenario, you shop it around to multiple places and multiple places try to buy it. Yeah. Uh, and then you just have to say, hey, I'm sorry, I went with so-and-so. Yeah. Too bad, so sad, you snoozed, you lose. Or or realistically, though, what's going to happen 99.99% of the time is you're just going to get rejected by all of them. Yeah. And there's no shame in that. That's normal for all of us. Mm-hmm. Uh, like I said, don't feel bad about that. I got rejected 100 times before I sold. I got rejected a lot. Yeah. And uh, I would say now, when do you go indie? That is up to uh, I think that's you. A, I think that's a personal preference, really. It, yeah, and that's going to depend on a few things. Like, so obviously, keep in mind, when you're shopping this stuff around, publishing is slow. Traditional publishing is very slow. Even the relatively quick ones, you're still looking at a, a turnaround time of, honestly, six months or a year. It's What's the Bay and Slush pile at now, I, I as far as getting oh, through that? Gosh, I mean, Gray does a good job, but he gets so much stuff. I feel like recently he said it was six months. Uh, yeah, it's 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 so... Which is fast. So if you really want to get through, like, you try want to get through the Bay and Slush pile, obviously, you know, give him at least however long. And th- that's public. I mean, they put that out there. You know, give him at least that, obviously. Oh, yeah. But if you uh, just want to go indie, that's just... Depends on how much of a hurry you are to get to it. Now, the one thing I want to be clear of is if you have your heart set on traditional publishing, that's fine. Um, I, obviously, I, I I quite like being traditionally published, yeah. as do you. Uh, but just because you get rejected once doesn't mean that there's no hope for you in the traditional pub market and therefore you should go indie. Like, have a little bit more fortitude than that. Well, it depends on what the product is. Because keep in mind, guys, we've talked about this before. While you're submitting one thing or publishing one thing, you should already be working on the next thing and yep. the next thing and the next thing. And sometimes you'll have one that is more of a fit for one or the other. Like if it's really a weird thing that no traditional publisher is going to buy, then don't waste your time on that at all. And just indie publish that thing right out the gate and yep. go promote it and be work on the next thing. But if you've got uh, something that's a good fit for a publishing house... By all means, submit yeah. to that publishing house and then wait however long it takes for them to take a look. Yeah, I have I have a lot of weird ideas, and a lot of them I know that when I eventually write them, um, I just know that some of them aren't going to get published through well, traditional pubs. A lot of writers get really super hung up on the uh, one or the other thing, like, oh, I am a traditionally published author, and no. traditionally published is the only way to go. And then you get other guys like, indie publishing is the only way to go, and everything else is garbage, and you're a stupid idiot. No, no. The The answer is, why not both? And it depends. Yeah. You know, It just really depends. It all depends on what you're doing and how you're doing it, because there are pros and cons to both. Yeah. There's a lot of cons to both. And that's the thing is the cheerleaders <laughs> tend to ignore the cons of whatever they're yeah. – I mean, we're trying to be realistic here because we want you guys to succeed and make money. There are perks to both. And honestly, treat this like any other business plan and be strategic with how you're allocating your time and your resources. Yeah. Okay, we have time for one last person's question. It, there's a few questions, but one of them we're not going to answer and the other and two of them are jokes. Um. <laughs> Okay, so one of them says, uh, and I'm not going to read these in the exact order in which he sent them. This is from supporter Mike. He said, of the many perks and benefits in supporting the Writer Dojo, of which there are many, I might add, 
uh, have you considered a call for short fiction submissions from your supporters? Now, that would actually involve us, one, paying you, and two, having like an anthology in doing that. I'm not saying we won't do that because maybe at some point we will. I'm not going to rule anything out, but as of right but now. As of right this second? Oh, heck no. Heck no, no dude. Way. I don't have time. My day no job is way. my day job is murdering me right now. Yeah, no way. Okay, I got a bunch. I owe a bunch of books to people. I know, right? Uh, okay, next part is considering the number of how to write books out there. Have you thought about producing a bad writing advice book? <laughs> Would the audio version be read entirely by Larry in bad Twitter voice? I think this is a wonderful idea. Um, <laughs> That we won't ever do, but I think it's a wonderful idea. I don't know if I could do the voice that long. That'd be hilarious. I feel so bad for like whoever has to like be audio engineer to produce <laughs> that audiobook. That'd be Jack. It's just me screaming into the microphone oh, for gosh, dang. 16 hours. Okay. Uh, would you please tell my friend Nick to stop double spacing after a period? He is a savage brute who refuses to change his old habits. He is also a fan and may listen to you. Nick? No, I'm not going to tell Nick that Nick, I still do it. you do what you want. You do what you want, Nick. You know what the cool thing is about if you double space after a period? If the submission guidelines for whatever you're submitting to are like only one space after periods, you know what you can do? Control H. Find and replace. Yep. <laughs> Control H, find and replace. Hit double space, replace with one space. It will result. I do that anyway. Yeah. Here's the kicker. I, 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 everybody who's basically everybody Gen X, who we all learned on, in typing class in high school, or with the early computer typing games, you know, from the dawn of computers. We all do that. And I don't care. I honestly don't give a damn. It doesn't matter at all. You're, you're both right. Although I will say, Nick, sometimes it's okay to be a savage brute. I'm all in favor of that. I'm on Team Nick. Okay. Um, next is, do you, got, do you guys have recommendations on where we might submit our short fiction? Preferably somewhere that doesn't want, uh, that doesn't make me want to barf in my hands and rub it in my face. <laughs> So, um, now we've talked a little bit about that, uh, Mike, we like your questions. Um, so I had this question at a, at a panel that I was on in, uh, at Gen Con, um, a little while back. And one of the things that we, there's, there's a few different places. There's, um, oh gosh, was it like writer's market or something like that, where you can always look, you can always look online. Submission grinder is a good way to do this. Um, but the two that I always talk about for this, one, go to conventions, meet people, yep. make those connections. And then when those people have uh, anthologies that they're putting together, you kind of already have an in. Yeah. Every anthology I've ever edited, um, the everybody in the anthology was because I or my co-editor. I was going to say, you've never done an open call. No, never. And, I, and honestly, and I you never it, will. With the point in my career, I never will. Uh, that would be that would be foolishness for me to do. Not not for something mainline like what you do. And plus, my anthologies make a lot of money, and yeah. so I mean, actually, they pay really good. And so I don't, mm -hmm. I, I I will never do an open call. Yeah. Uh, so it's all for me. It's all going to be networked people I know. Yep. Um, and then uh, the other one I would suggest is, um, just go to like Kickstarter or Indigo, because. There's so many anthologies on those places now. That's true. There's and the that. vast majority of them, they're 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 like call it ninety percent, eighty ninety percent filled. But they almost almost always have one or two plate like one or two slots 
that are that are open for um, like on call or uh, open call authors. That's a good way to 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 find stuff as well. You know, one we didn't mention. This is not actually making a sale to an anthology, but this also goes with the question we had earlier about I have all these short stories and what do I do with them? If you have something that's really good and you haven't been able to, you know, you don't really know what to do with it, there are some really cool contests every year. Oh, yeah. That, yeah, that's true. That if you have a, a story that you think is brilliant and uh, submit it to like the – if it's sci-fi, there's the uh, Jim Bayon Memorial yep. Award uh, for science fiction. And then there's the Bayon Fantasy Awards, the BFA for mm-hmm. um, uh, fantasy. Yep. Uh, I mean I've been a judge in that for that in previous right. years. And so you know, if you got something you think is really good and you want to get your name out there and get a little prestige and I think, I think most of the people who have won those have gone on to sell – other pieces of short fiction based upon just that, you mm-hmm. know, getting recognized that way. So if you have something you're really proud of, enter that contest. They all warn you, though, they're very, very, very super competitive. Those are super competitive. Yeah. So like when I did it the year I was a judge, um, I believe it was Christopher Rocchio had to go through the like 500 short stories that we got. And he picked out the top 20, I think is what it was for the judges. In the end, and pass those on to you guys. Yeah, and then we read them, and then we, basically, there was like five of us, and then we all just argued. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then, lastly, if if all else fails in those regards, um, see our previous question about going indie. It's totally okay to publish short stories online for, you know, like as an indie author. Uh, and then he asked one more question, which we are totally not going to answer, Mike, because um, we'll, we'll do an entire episode on this. And it's please explain the three-act structure in a language that resembles English. Now, I can't promise that last part because neither Larry or I talk English good. Lol. So, uh, but that is actually, that's actually a really good question. I primarily communicate in emoticons. I do it in Facebook memes. So we will do an episode that's just on that because that's that's actually a really interesting question and a great topic. Honestly, that's a good one too because that's one that I don't normally think in those terms. I don't I don't think about it in terms of like highly detailed. I just think that our our brains just kind of go that well, way. Well, honestly, because if I look at most of my books, most of my books do fit a three act structure. Mm-hmm. But no point in time when I'm outlining it do I do I think. This is the third act, you know. I, I just, it just is. This is the ending part. That's what I think. So, Aki, we'll anyway, talk about this. We'll whole, talk about yeah, that. That's a whole episode. All right. So that's all the questions that have been submitted to us at the time of recording. Um, if you have any more questions, if you need, if if the answers to our questions spawn more questions, keep keep them coming. Um, we love doing these things. Uh, and again, we're going to be at FenCon here in just a couple. Well, when this airs, maybe a week. Uh, if you're in the Dallas area, come by, see us at the book signing. That's September 15th at that uh, Half Price Books. This their flagship store. I don't, I don't know what the address is. Um, but please come and see us. And uh, if you're attending, if you're attending FenCon, obviously come see us. Um, we'll be doing a Writer Dojo live panel. So uh, again, this is the Writer Dojo. Thank you so much for listening to us, and we'll see you on the next one. Writer Dojo is Steve Diamond and Larry Correa. Produced by Jack Wilder and Bear and Hair Studios. Theme song, Word Mercenaries by Craig Nivo. New episodes come out every Wednesday wherever you stream your content. If you enjoyed this podcast, you can help support us 
by going to anchor.fm slash writerdojo, by leaving a five-star rating and review, and by helping to spread the word. To advertise on the Writer Dojo, email ads at writerdojo.com. All questions and comments can be emailed to questions at writerdojo.com. Set your phone on silent, Larry.